Hello everybody, welcome to episode 6 of Ironcast. My name is Paul Hamilton. With me this week, as every week, is my wife and co-host Nikki. Say hello, Nikki. Hello. So, this weekend was the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July, I guess belatedly to everybody. For our celebrations, we went to your dad's house for a, I guess you'd call it a family reunion? Is that fair? Yeah, that would be accurate. So it was kind of your stepmom's extended family? Well, it was a family reunion for her, (laughs) but it was more of a meet and greet for everybody else. Oh, you had never met? I hadn't met any of those people before in my life. Oh. Other than, obviously, her mom and sister, who I've known since I've known my stepmom, but no, none of the other people had I ever met before. Oh, I thought these were people that you just hadn't seen in a long time. No. Okay. So that's <laughs> that's why we didn't really know what was going on when we first got there. I'm not even sure if my dad had met. Half of them? <laughs> yeah. I see. We actually kind of got there a little bit late. Pretty much everybody was already there. I don't know how many people were staying or how many people from out of state. I didn't really catch a lot of the details on some of the people, including names, although there was masking tape with... <laughs> Sharpies for everybody's name, including Calliope, who had her very own name tag on your belly, which I think embarrassed you a little bit. Tremendously. <laughs> you, you seemed to kind of hide it in a, a fold of your shirt at one point. Well, it was right smack dab, like where my belly button is, and I just felt silly. I hadn't <laughs> ever met any of these people, and I walk up and I've got this huge belly with masking tape and a name on it. <laughs> Maybe I should have done the same thing and like made my belly, uh, you know, Ralph or something, <laughs> just to be a show of solidarity. That really would have confused them. They would have been like, what is wrong with those people? I'm sure they were think- thinking that already. So well. then we left from there to go to Ikea, which is why we had taken my truck across the bridge in the first place. Which Ikea for a very, very pregnant lady is a bit of a challenge. It's not really laid out with pregnant people in mind, I will I will say that. No. Because they make you... Actually, I guess I've never really even been to a different Ikea. I'm pretty sure they're all the same. Kind of follow the arrows and you have to go with the, the cattle. Just keep <laughs> going in a circle. Yeah, the one in, the one in Palo Alto definitely... You, well, you have to go upstairs. That's where it starts. And then there's arrows that lead all through the upper floor. And the place is huge. And then you go downstairs, and they got a whole other little maze that you have to walk through before you finally get to the, the warehouse area, right? Where you've just been mm-hmm. writing down bin numbers for the warehouse the whole time. And then there's the chaos of the checkout stand. So We even tried to uh, swim upstream and go back at yeah. one point, and it was a mess. <laughs> So we, we figured that wasn't such a good idea. but And then, of course, we had we had taken the truck and we had gone to Ikea for the whole purpose of getting a dresser that we ultimately decided, and this is our second trip to Ikea for this decision, <laughs> <laughs> that we, we actually weren't going to get either of the dressers that we were looking at there because they just weren't going to work the way that we wanted. So the whole trip was kind of for naught, but at least we were able to make the decision. I think that was the bigger yeah issue, so... So then we headed home, and we were trying to have kind of a peaceful night. You hate 4th of July anyway. Not the representation of 4th of July. I'm not <laughs> not patriotic or anything like that. 
So let me clarify. You hate loud noises. Yes. And since most people celebrate 4th of July by blowing things up. Which I don't understand. As loudly as possible. Yes, you're you're not unpatriotic. You just don't like the way people choose to express their patriotism. Right. So we, we spend, since we've been together, we've spent every 4th of July holed up in either a movie theater or in our our home somewhere with the volume and the TV turned up ridiculously loud. <laughs> like if we have plans with anybody else, we have to make sure that we're out of there before it's dark so we can get home right. and yeah, there's, inside. There's no such thing as like the, you know, we'll start the barbecue at seven. It's like, uh -oh. no, you start the barbecue <laughs> at one, we'll be out of there by 545. <laughs> Some of the towns we've lived in, firecrackers haven't been legal at all. Mm -hmm. I guess fireworks is the one that they actually are allowed to sell. Those are a little bit better because at least you know if somebody's doing something, chances are they're about to be stopped. Here in our, you know, where we currently live, they they are legal, so they were selling them on every corner. So there was people all up and down the apartment complex, up and down every street, setting them off. We'd survived the the majority of it. There were still a few stragglers. And all of a sudden, the power flickered. <laughs> and, and it came back on, and we both looked at each other, and you kind of went, what was that? And then it flickered again, and then it went out. And it stayed out. And it stayed out, and it stayed out. And we realized very quickly, I don't even remember why now, but we had just thrown out all of our candles. Because we cleaned out that spare room, and I figured, what do we need all these stupid candles for? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just in that purging thing where I was like, anything I don't have a space for, just throw it away. I'm sick of looking at it. And they'd been in boxes for literally years. Right, because we hadn't experienced a, a nighttime power outage where we'd been awake of any significance in, <laughs> in years, like you said. So we foolishly decided we didn't need the candles. We fired those out. And now we're sitting in pitch black. And it wasn't just our unit or our building or even just our complex. It was the whole, it was actually several blocks, right? Because mm -hmm. we ended yeah. up leaving because we sat around in the dark for a little while. We found a couple of flashlights and I actually had some little very dim <laughs> battery operated tea candles that I had used for a, uh, a theme party. Though I set those up, but they weren't really doing a whole lot except for making it kind of creepy in here. That was very creepy. And then you gave me some really big headphones to put on and I listened to your iPod at a very high volume while you called PG&E to find out what the story was. Right, because you were still worried that they were going to start setting off fireworks or something. Mm -hmm. So I called PG&E. They said it was going to be a couple of hours before they either had it fixed or updated the automated message from when I called in. And so then I hit the button to talk to, to try and talk to an actual human being. And they said the wait time was up to 45 minutes. <laughs> so that was pretty much when we decided we needed to go get some candles because this could be a while. So we, we left and we went to the grocery store and we kind of sprinted across the parking lot so you uh, didn't have to wear the big headphones through the store. <laughs> but you also didn't have to be exposed too long to the potential of uh, loud bangs. So we got some overpriced candles and came back and we played, I think we played Catan Dice yeah. while you listened to the, pod, the iPod some more. And, and uh, shouted everything at you. Pretty much. <laughs> Well, and, you know, you were beating the pants off me and Catan as well, so it was like I'm playing this silent <laughs> game of misery. <you> know? <laughs> it 
was just hearing the tinny sound of a uh, hair metal coming from the <laughs> the leaking spots on the the headphones and that game was scary good for me i've never in my entire life played a game that good where it was like every single time i rolled i got exactly what i needed you got one of the highest thing had to go right for me that night (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe all things considered you would have dumped your karma pool into something a little bit more uh useful to you well yeah katan dice It was an impressive score. It was one of the highest I think I've seen in a, a single round, so that was pretty good. Makes me kind of wish Tom was playing with us. <laughs> so finally, the power did come back on. I think it was it ended up being out for about an hour and a half. Yeah, because I would say it was probably about 45 minutes after we got the candles. <laughs> it came back on. I, I think it was just short enough that we didn't have to throw anything out from the freezer or the fridge. Yeah. But it was just long enough that we had to do something in the meantime. Cause... I would say, you know, any other night, a power outage, I'm not a big fan of them. They creep me out a little bit in general for whatever reason. But any other night, I would just be like, okay, well, it's midnight. Let's just go to bed. We sleep in the dark anyway. Right. It was the whole 4th of July factor because we couldn't open up any of the windows to cool it off in here because that would just Invite. make it... Yeah. So the AC's off, the windows are shut. I'm not willing to go to bed because I couldn't sleep with those big headphones on. So I was exhausted and ready for bed. And It was like you were pointing out at the time, too. I mean, it's one thing if you're camping and, you know, the brightest thing that you can see is the night sky. I don't know. You you have a certain mindset when you're camping that you're back to nature. This is how it's supposed to be really, really dark at night. Yeah. But in the city, it's never that dark. It's just creepy. Ever. And so, yeah, it's this really unsettling. Plus, it's quiet because there's no, there's this constant white noise of electronic things that are humming and just beyond your ability to perceive for the most part. But you miss them when they're gone. And once all of that goes away, you're just kind of like, oh, wow. (laughs) Just the beginning of a bad horror film, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Well, then even when we walked out to go buy the candles at the store our neighbor across the way heard us i guess leaving and so she calls across so it was like this weird voice out of the darkness <laughs> and i it kind of freaked me out at first too because i didn't really didn't expect anybody to be yelling at me and then you couldn't hear because you had the, the headphones <laughs> on. so she's kind of like talking to you and i'm answering on your behalf because i figure out that you can't hear what's going on <laughs> she must have thought that i was really sort of overbearing or something (laughs) what is wrong with that couple right it's probably she probably would have thought we were really weird too if she had seen you with these huge headphones on and (laughs) very worried expression on your face (laughs) why are we just standing here let's move this along (laughs) it was like comforting when we got to the section of town that had lights i didn't want to leave How's things been going this week in terms of you and your pregnancy, the baby and everything? Well, I wish I could say that I don't mind that there's still over five weeks left, but I'm pretty ready to be done at this point. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty uncomfortable all the time and exhausted and out of breath. And 
She's squeezing up into your ribs at this, or your lungs at this point. Oh yeah, she's squeezing into my lungs, my ribs, my stomach. I can't eat very much without feeling sick. You definitely started to express that I'm ready for this to be over, <laughs> kind of thing. Which it's it's got to be by design almost, you know, because I think yeah. that the prospect of birth and the delivery and everything is, you know, I mean, look, it's it's daunting and overwhelming for me to think about it, and I don't even have to do anything. <laughs> so I'm, I'm guessing you've got to be kind of overwhelmed by the whole idea. So yeah. the only way to maybe get a woman to the point where she's like, I can do this, is by making everything as miserable as possible leading up to that. So it's like, whatever, I'll go through it, just make it stop. <laughs> I don't care how it happens, just get this child out of me. The light at the end of the tunnel is from a, a nuclear explosion, you'll go through it just to be out of the tunnel. <laughs> well, I like that analogy. <laughs> so you, you've just been uh, kind of uncomfortable and stuff. You've, you've been walking a little bit funny. <laughs> I mean, funnier than your normal, like, waddle because you're carrying <laughs> basketball under your shirt. Oh, it's a good thing I love you. <laughs> <laughs> What's that mean? You've been walking funny lately. I mean, funnier than usual. <laughs> okay, I can see how that came out weird. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Well, um, because well, here's here's what I think it came it comes down to is that I've noticed that you were for a little while there. You were like, okay, I'm gonna need to get some get moving and, and be active or whatever, so we can take some walks. And then a couple of weeks ago, we took a walk, and you didn't get very far. And it seems like ever since then, you've kind of avoided walking more than you you need to. And I don't know, you just you just seem sort of uncomfortable with your mobility or motility. What's the word? I don't know. Okay, it doesn't matter. Well, I, the weirdest thing has started happening. I think I experienced this for a couple of days, many, many weeks ago. And then luckily it went away. But then I would say about a week or two ago, it started happening again, where if I sat for too long, and by too long, I mean more than like 10 minutes. <laughs> when I stood up and tried to walk again, it would ha be excruciating pain. Oh, so it's my... not the walking, it's the sitting and then walking. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah, once I start walking, it takes a few minutes to get going, but then once I get over the initial pain and just start moving again, it's not as bad, it seems like, but mm -hmm. it's this pain in my pelvic region that hurts really bad, like the bones hurt. Oh, this is that, that thing you sent me the other day, it's whatever, symphysis, symphysis pubic dysfunction, is that what they call it? That's what they call it. I mean, I haven't talked to the doctor yet, so I don't even know if that's what it is for sure. It just sounded like a lot of the symptoms were what I was experiencing. SPD or whatever. I Googled it. <laughs> nice. Well, I just put in, you know, extreme pelvic pain when pregnant, and that popped up. But, you know, it, it hurts to roll over in bed because when, you know, you can't use your stomach muscles anymore. Right. To roll yourself over, I've started using my hips and my legs to kind of swing myself to either side, but that hurts now. So is it just like an inflammation of your hips or something? Um, I think it's caused from the relaxation of the ligaments that keep the two sides of the pelvic bone together. And it, it starts to relax from a hormone relaxin when you're pregnant to obviously prepare you for 
giving birth so the baby can fit through there. Oh, so it can kind of, it's supposed to widen up anyway. Yeah, but sometimes if they loosen too much, um, it can cause instability in the pelvic joint. So it's like rubbing together or it's just too... I think it's that one side can shift more than the other when you're walking or moving your legs. Mm. So that's why it hurts to put pants on. (laughs) Because you lift one leg up and it hurts to separate. I see. So that's why rolling over is uncomfortable since Uh that's the sort of the joints that's getting jostled around while you're doing that. Yeah. I'm finding I don't roll over as much in the night anymore. I kind of fall asleep on one side and wake up on that same side. Yeah, I used to be super flip-flopper fish girl, (laughs) especially early middle part of the second trimester where you were starting to actually have, you know, the belly that you had to sort of navigate and everything, but you had a hard time finding a comfortable spot and it was sort of putting pressure on your ribs and it was like you were constantly moving because you could move to find something that was comfortable. And it seemed like a few weeks ago you were finally able to be comfortable just laying down. <laughs> yeah. And now you have a hard time actually moving. So I'm sure that's really fun for uh, that one side of your body that has to be, that one arm is constantly asleep. <laughs> well, the bad thing is, is what happens is I find that whatever side I've been sleeping on for a really long period of time, I wake up and that hip is so sore from just all the weight. Oh, yeah. So then I have to try to remind myself to try the other side for a few hours. and The whole navigation process. Well, at least you're, you have to get it to pee, right? Yeah. <laughs> so That gets me up, if nothing else. you got a built-in excuse to switch to the cool side of the pillow or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, when I don't have this big belly weighing me down one night, I'm going to flip over and think I need a lot more strength behind my turn than I do, and I'm just going to roll myself right off the bed. <laughs> flip yourself <laughs> On the floor. (laughs) (laughs) We also, in preparation for Calliope's imminent arrival, we had a CPR class last night, right? Mm -hmm. That was interesting. That's the exact word I was going to use. (laughs) In air quotes. Right. (laughs) Well, we got lost trying to find the place to begin with. Well, that's because they put the wrong address. They put an address that was two buildings down from where we needed to be, which is just cruel and unusual punishment for a bunch of pregnant women. Because that's all that was in there. Yeah. I, mean, I, I suppose you don't have to be pregnant to take an infant CPR class, but all, makes sense. all four of the couples that were in there was a pregnant woman and their male partner. So they put the wrong address on there, which was, yeah, it was a good 150 yards <laughs> to walk. And everybody in there was due around the same time. So everybody was a minimum of eight months pregnant. Yep. So the last two couples came in and the poor women were huffing and puffing. And <laughs> Was it just me or did the instructor look exactly like a cross between Marshall, the geeky guy from Alias, and a hobbit? He did. You know, and the entire night I was staring at him trying to figure out who he reminded me of. And I don't even know if it was that guy. It was somebody else, and I can't remember now who it was. But that is a good description of what he looked like. Yeah, I just kept expecting him to, like, invite me to the Shire for tea and smoking pipes or whatever. But Or suddenly, like, make one of the dolls into a gadget that you could do something else with. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a little robot, and it blows up when you push its eyeball or something. Take some pictures. <laughs> but, yeah, he had this huge bottle of water. It was, like, one of those... 
I don't know, almost a gallon of water, and he's like, oh, you pregnant ladies must think this looks pretty good. Glug, glug, glug. (laughs) (laughs) They're both giving him the stink eye right off the bat. I I mean, it was good because I think he he was able to keep it interesting enough so that nobody was really nodding off or anything. And, you know, I mean, it was sort of an active, hands-on kind of class, so I think that helped, but but he was good. It was just like, for a while, I just kept staring at the guy and being like... (laughs) The, the bad thing about it was, well, he went through the entire process of how to do the CPR on an infant. And, I mean, he started with the Heimlich maneuver. And then he moved on to CPR. And he was like, okay, now everybody's going to demonstrate that they know how to do this. And there was four couples and three dolls. But the, the weirdest thing to me of all this was that didn't the instructions specifically say you have to bring your own doll? Yeah, and so we had to coordinate and meet up with a friend and borrow some dolls because we don't have any dolls laying around the house. And all eight of us showed up with a bunch of dolls, and we didn't even need them because we used the official infant CPR tester dolls that have, you know, like the, you could breathe into them and their chest rises, and they've got like an appropriate weight and everything else. I didn't understand what the why we were all carrying around these dumb dolls when they provided them, although, like you were saying, they didn't have enough of them. So they had three, and there was four couples. So what do they do? They give them to all the couples except for us. Right. So it was like, the Hamiltons will be by themselves at the end. <laughs> well, fortunately, by the time they got to us, everybody it was kind of been there, done that for everybody else. So they just sort of talked amongst themselves, and, and Marshall the Hobbit was kind of bored <laughs> of the routine by the time he got there. So he, he kind totally of rushed was. us through it, <laughs> which was kind of messed up. Because I felt like the other people got more instruction, you know, or or maybe we had just seen people make mistakes enough that we did better by the time it got to us than they did. But it did seem kind of like he was like, I got it, whatever, let's move on. (laughs) Exactly. I thought it was amusing that the couple, uh, one of the couples that was there, because I I think that he had said one of the maneuvers was to have the baby, if you're doing the Heimlich maneuver, resting on your forearm. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you push on the chest and then you flip it over and pound on the back. And the girl, (laughs) (laughs) she didn't move her chair back far enough. Well, he also kept saying, gravity is your friend. So you're supposed to take the doll and and you hold it up so you can look in its face so you can check the mouth to see if there's any blockage that you can sweep clear. And then when you're doing the the thrusts on the diaphragm, you, you lay them so that their head is facing the ground to help to get gravity to help. But in the transition from looking in the mouth to moving down. <laughs> <laughs> this girl, she kept pounding the kid's head on the table. <laughs> like three times she like knocks the, the doll's head. And, you know, she's embarrassed or whatever. And everybody's kind of laughing. I guess it was her husband. Yeah, it was her husband. But uh, he looks and he, at one point, she do, does it for like the third time. And he looks up and goes, anybody want to trade partners? <laughs> Poor lady, she was a little bit mortified when he said that. Yeah, well, I mean, fortunately, her mortification was drowned out by the laughter. In the room. <laughs> it was like, doesn't matter if this kid's choking, you've given him a concussion now. So. Well, and the funny thing is that they, you know, I mean, that's sort of the the test to know whether you're supposed to move into CPR after, you know, because you give them the Heimlich <laughs> if they're choking and tell that they actually go unconscious, and then you give them CPR, and it's like, well, you're taking care of that. Yeah. Time to move on to CPR, lady. 
And the couple to to your left was pretty amusing too because the wife was telling her husband the entire time that he was doing his turn what he was doing wrong. Oh yeah, she was all over it. <laughs> you need to use gravity. You're not doing you, he's not supported and you know, lift his head back and she you know, she's got a million corrections for him. And then it comes to her turn and she's terrible. She's even worse than he was. <laughs> he was very patient though. He just sat back and let her do it. <laughs> Didn't say anything. <laughs> I think that was the thing that I, I didn't like about you and I going at the same time, too, is I couldn't really watch you and you couldn't watch me. So not that I think you would sit there and critique me the entire time, but you may have caught something that, you know, Marshall didn't because he was so over it at that point. <laughs> he even said at the very beginning, like, you can you can use one of the dolls that you bring if you want to while the other people are using the official dolls. And I, I kind of started doing it, but it felt dumb because, like, the doll was a different size. It wasn't yeah. the right weight. And it was kind of like, oh, this feels kind of pointless, especially since he was critiquing what they were doing with the official dolls. And he didn't seem to have any interest in what I was doing. Right. So I gave that up pretty early. And, you know, and I felt like you were even watching me and seeing, you know, what I was doing so that you could learn from it as well. And that wasn't an opportunity since we had to go at the same time. But. It was one of those things where it's, it's a pretty basic enough technique, but it felt like it was a really quick class. And I'm afraid that in the heat of a moment of something like that, I would forget everything. And I, he kept, you know, saying, what's the next step? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, do you call 911 first? Do you start CPR first? I don't remember. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where you just have to hope that enough of it comes back. You know, like he said, if as long as you're doing anything, that's better than doing nothing. Um, yeah. And, you know, if you can get 911 on the phone, they, they'll tell you the same thing, and I'm sure that will jog the memory. Because that was the other thing that I felt like, because I almost wished that he would have sat st- stepped us aside. And instead, because he would count off, like, the uh, the CPR, the chest compressions, Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, he would, he was actually doing the counting and the, the rhythm it was supposed to be in. Then he would remind you, breathe, one, two, breathe, you know. So he was sort of guiding you through the whole thing. I felt like that I would have almost preferred if he said, okay, now we're going to do your like final exam and we're going to have three of you up here. And then you just show me what you're going to do in this situation. I'll tell you what you, what you see and hear. If there's, you come to a point where you would have to actually be there. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you have to do it, and I'll tell you how well you're responding to the situation. Which is actually what you would do if you were getting certified. Oh, is that how that works? Yeah, they wouldn't lead you through it. You'd actually have to go up and test. See, that makes me want to take like a certification class then, because I'd want to. Because I mean, it's I think it's pressure enough just to be in you know an unfamiliar environment with somebody looking at you and critiquing you. Mm-hmm. That might be just enough of a. Or almost traumatic experience to stick with you so that if you did get into an actual traumatic situation that you would be able to respond in an appropriate manner. Yeah. I think the thing that I learned the most, which is kind of weird that this is what I took away from it, but he said in more than one occasion that the worst thing in the world you can do is stop doing any kind of rescue on the child mm-hmm. and pick it up and meet the ambulance halfway down the street. Yeah. That's what I was saying. It's better to do something than nothing. Yeah. Like, don't stop CPR. Wait for them to get to you. Yeah. They'll be there as fast as they can. You're not really going to help by running with a unconscious child for half a block. Yeah. You know, so you're supposed to, in the Heimlich maneuver, you're, you're doing the sort of the diaphragm presses, 
and then you flip them over and you pound on their back to try and help dislodge whatever it is that's blocking their airway. You know, their people tend to be kind of timid when they are pretending even that it's a, an infant. He goes, you know, you can really whack them on there because the, the harder that you, you get, the, the better chance you have of dislodging it. It's like, you know, they seem like they're fragile creatures, but they can really take a beating. <laughs> we cracked up. <laughs> Well, yeah, so we crack up and he realizes that he's basically just said you could, you know, infants can certainly take a beating. So he goes and he explains what he means and then he says it again. <laughs> like five-year-olds, we laugh again. Yeah. Well, we understood what he meant in the first place. It was just the fact that he said infants can take a beating. That doesn't matter how many times you explain it. It's still a funny thing to say. Yeah.